Trendled Tales, the podcast about Laura Ingalls Wilder, historic foodways, one-room schools, and other social history. This is Sarah Utah, the host and creator of Trendled Tales. Find us around the web under Trendled Tales and on your favorite social media platform. If you listen or just have an account on uh, whatever podcast system that you use, please leave positive feedback because it helps people find the show. And this is our annual birthday party. So I'm not going to be uh, doing a separate housekeeping thing because the housekeeping is sort of the main thrust of the episode. Now, uh, this is the birthday party. And the first couple years, I talked about things like um, what a 19th century birthday party was like and some stuff like that. But then I decided that since this was a party, I was going to turn this into a call-in show, which means it's the one that I have the most concerns about every year because I need people to call in. Now, if you're out there listening right now, please go ahead and call because what we tend to have is not very many calls at the beginning of the hour and then lots at the end or at least it's harder to get on at the end. So please go ahead and call in now. And you can do that by calling in 714-242-5253. That's 714-242-5253. Or toll free 1-877-633-9389. That's toll free 1-877-633-9389. And... I believe we already have a guest on the air. And hello, Area Code 360. That's you. <laughs> All right. Bar- Barbara, is that you? Okay, it isn't. I hope people can hear me tonight. Um I guess we should. Let's see. How can I test this? Let me go ahead and I am hoping that people can hear me. And I'm going to check and see. So let me just quickly call. And I wouldn't be doing this except one year I did this whole show and nobody could sit. So let's see. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. Okay. 
Well, we have one caller on the air, but she is not answering, or he isn't answering. So I'm going to go ahead and try this and see if this will get to, because you know we always have fun with this episode. You can hear it. Okay, I'm hearing little chimes. Does that mean something? People are hearing me? Let's see. Uh, nope, that chimes having to do about something else entirely. Okay, let's try. You can't hear me? Okay, well, that's good. It sounds like, oh, and Melissa said that I, she can hear me. So that's good. We've got, uh, right now my clock's chiming because that is, that is one of our parlor clocks. And so the parlor clock, yes. So the parlor clock is like the one Laura and Manley had. And if you go down to Mansfield today, you will see the parlor clock that Manley wound every week. And I have to wind mine twice a week. Okay, so we've got. All right, so. We are going to start by looking at some of the Facebook messages that we got earlier this week. And let's see if what we've got. We have one of the questions that I was asking. Oh, I guess I could do that first. All right, let me tell you what questions I was asking. Maybe it will give you an idea of what to call in and say. So I am hoping that this episode, we will get people's Laura stories, how people discovered Laura and her books, what their your favorite story is from the book, the best thing in your Laura collection, what's your favorite edition of the book, What's the craziest thing that you did because it was a little house thing, which is a place visited, a craft tried, a book read, anything like that. So, with that, let me see what other things we got. And... All right. And All right, here we go. This was some answers to the question, what's the best thing that you have in your Laura collection. And Sheila Black says her best thing is a replica of Laura's engagement ring. Laura's engagement ring was most likely bought from the Montgomery Ward catalog. And even though money was worth a lot more back then than it is now, even if the numbers are the same, uh, you got bought those by the dozen, which means hers probably wasn't of the highest quality, but that was probably the one Manly bought her. And uh, the Walnut Grove Museum worked with a local jeweler to create a uh, replica of the ring based on the pictures in the Montgomery Ward catalog from that year. And uh, they have it available in gold and silver. And 
Uh, if you go to a lot of events, people who were Laura fans, especially when the rings first came out, you will see everybody, and here I am waving my ring finger like you could see it, everybody at big Laura events a lot of times will be wearing that ring. So it is a cool thing to have. Uh, another person, Susan McCarney, I think. I'm probably mispronouncing that. I'm sorry. Uh, she thinks that her favorite thing is the Little House Country Cookbook from Mansfield. Uh, the recipes are pretty basic, but the shiny pictures of the kitchen and the house are amazing, she says. And those pictures are really amazing. They were taken by Les Kelly, who took a lot of the postcards that you see that were taken in the late 90s. Uh, Les Kelly actually is somebody who, um, I won't go into his whole story because, frankly, Les Kelly's story is kind of complicated, but uh, he actually is part of the reason that Pinterest exists, and it's quite the story, but I'm I'm not going to tell it now. But he he really did take some wonderful pictures of Laura's kitchen. Now, um, a lot of the recipes from that book are actually recipes that Laura cut out of various things. And I can tell you from my grandmother's experience that at the time when people collected recipes like that, the fact you had the recipe didn't mean you'd ever made the recipe. But And these are all modernized. And cookbooks, historic cookbooks, you have the ones that are the historic recipe with descriptions how to do it, like for a wood stove or whatever. And sometimes you'll have them in these replica reprints where it's the original and then the modernized version to use the stoves and stuff we have today. And in good ones, they will have both. And this one only has the modern version of, of these recipes. So it's, I think that's what she means by basic recipes. I have been to at least one really cool event that they only used recipes out of that cookbook, but the pictures alone, seriously, well worth buying just for the pictures. And then, see. All right, so let me remind everybody again that if you want to call in, it is 714-242-5253. That's 714-242-5253. And me. And the chat is open. So if you don't want to talk and you want to chat instead, you can sure do that. All right. And I am going to totally ruin your name and be totally off. And I'm sorry. I always say uh, no one can pronounce my name either. No one can spell it. And I have a story I tell like about that, but my mom's telling me, no, don't tell that story, so I won't. But uh, I do ha- I mean, people say my name all the time wrong, so I'm sorry when I say other people's wrong. Um, but it's Selida Kempton, or close, and she says, in 2004, I got a piece of the Loftus store wall and two square nails that they salvaged when they cut a passage into the store next door. And, and if you haven't been to the Loftus store, there is a store in Dusmet that is in the Loftus store location. 
and was using the Loftus store building. It's been remodeled, but it's there. And they, the people who own it also own the florist next door. And they wanted to have an interior way to get through the two stores uh, from one to another. So they cut a hole in it. And then they cut up the piece they took out into boards that are about, oh, again, I'm doing hand gestures you can't see. But probably oh, about five by four, maybe. Yeah, probably about five by four, and uh, cut them out and and sold them as a piece of the Loftus store. Uh, they, I, um, they sell those. You'll see them around sometimes on eBay, and I think they still have some of them at the Loftus store. Though I'm not sure about that. Actually, the Loftus store is always an interesting place to stop because they have so many different. Um, pieces in there. They really go out of their way to have unique stuff. And one of the things they've been doing is trying to bring back favorite pieces from the back or from the past. They have uh, from the 1980s this um, tea towel that was printed with a whole design and Laura. And it was very popular. People kept asking them about finding it, and they decided it was too expensive to do it on a tea towel again, but they have it available as a poster. Uh, They also, um, there is a set of pewter plates that came out in the 1970s that they did one for each one of the books, and they started with the first plate that they had made doing a replica of it. Um, the originals are nicer if you can find them, and I happen to have the original and the um, replica of the same plate. I need those plates. If you know where those plates are, let me know, because I don't have most of them. But anyway, uh, they they sold out all of the first plate. They were going to do the seventh, second so far, they haven't sold them out. So if you are ever passing through to Smith, make sure you stop in the Loftus store and buy a plate for the cause. All right. And Susan Dugan, who I know because uh, she lived, lived in Cedar Rapids and taught here, moved out to the Southwest and just a couple years ago moved back. She actually did uh, the Adult Laura Day we did out at Usher's Ferry with me, which was awesome. I still have people telling me how great that was when they realized I was the one who did it. I hope we can do it. I actually had uh, them about talked into doing another one and all the shutdown happened. So when things open up again, I hope we can maybe do that again because it was a really great event. Let me just quickly check. Nope. Okay. So, um, oh, and I didn't say what she said then. She said that she had a letter with the envelope and a postcard that Laura wrote to school classes. I have the postcard framed with glass on both sides. And I would like to know how come I never get one of these floral letters people are always talking about. I do get uh, photocopies of them, though, which I actually like better because I pass those on to the Laura Ingalls Wilder Museum in Walnut Grove, 
archive, mostly because they said it would be okay if I started to, to say that. So any copy I get, I pass a copy on to them. So they have really a nice collection of Laura responses. Uh, they are, Laura answered just about every letter she received. There were a couple periods in her life when she just couldn't. But for the most part, she answered every letter she got. And so there's a lot of Laura letters out there. But as time goes on, uh, people stuck them in scrapbooks. They tied them up and put them in shoeboxes. And people clean out houses. And I have seen how people clean out houses. And honestly, even ones who care about history sometimes just get going. And I'm quite sure a lot of her letters have been thrown out, which is just heartbreaking. So if you know anybody who has a Laura letter, please get a copy to me and I will pass it on to Walnut Grove or you can send it to the museum there directly. So I wish I had a real Laura letter. I do. I almost had one. A friend of my mom's had gotten one when she was little, and I was kind of hoping that I had talked her into leaving it to me when she passed, but she did not give it to me, so I only have the photocopy of that one, too. Or my mom could have written her. She had 10 years, 10 years between when she was born and when Laura died, and did she write her? No, she did not. Although that did lead me to writing to Mildred Burt Benson, who wrote the Nancy Drew stories, and she wrote me a response back, but she didn't do that very often, but she thought my story of uh, being mad at my mom for not having written Laura and that I wasn't going to have anybody be mad at me for not writing her. She thought that was hilarious, apparently, because she quite often did not answer her uh, letters that she got. Okay, let me just check again. And uh, no chat. And let me give the call number, uh, the number again. It is 714-242-5253. That's 714-242-5253. And uh, you can call in at any time and share because... Um, it isn't a very good party when I'm the only one talking, although we really have had fun. And I appreciate people who had answered my questions earlier this week because that helps. Uh, there is also a message from Naomi Pearl Tucker, and she thinks maybe her things are her pep and pebble. Now, this past summer at age 53, she says she made the trip uh, she wanted to take all her life. She visited Pepin, Walnut Grove, Desmet, Baroque, and Keystone, Keystone uh, to see Carrie's things. Of course, I picked up some pebbles on the beach at Pepin, which is great. I will say this, though. I have seen people, people who do not live in an area, do not necessarily understand what the local fill is. Like, I was on the East Coast, and there was a lot of, like, seashell ground up fill, which is really, it was really kind of cool because I had never seen anything like that. But around this area, what you see is crushed limestone. So if what you're seeing is crushed limestone, that is almost always gravel that someone has created. So if you are in Pepin and you see by the edge of the lake limestone, which is a white stone 
that tends to be kind of chalky-ish um, and cut kind of either in squares, you know, not perfect squares, kind of like, like when you cut a potato into squares, that kind of squares. Uh, that is fill. That means that is not like pepping pebbles. That is gravel that someone has bought and brought and put there. And if you pick it up and carry it away, they are going to have to buy more gravel, which is not from Pepin in any way, and put it there. So if you're really looking for pebbles in Lake Pepin, you are looking for round stones. Um, so bear that in mind if you are there. Gravel, limestone gravel, is not pebble, pebbles from Lake Pepin. And I'm really hoping that Naomi has some rubber stones. And I actually have gotten some pebbles from there, which is always super cool. But again, not limestone, not bro limestone broken up, mostly round is what a, a river or lake stone is going to look like from the wear. Big pieces of limestone. Yes, that is part of the lake. The little pieces round up, not so much. Okay, so with that, let's see what other questions we had gotten answered. Well, uh, I sent out a Laura Ingalls Wilder birthday card today, and I had gotten asked about the doll that is in that one. So I will tell you about that. It is an art doll, an art doll meaning it was not mass produced. It was made by a doll artist. And uh, this particular doll artist, his name is Lena Boyle, and she is still around. She's with the Hawkeye Area Doll Club, and they did a Laura theme to their event they have every year. Every year they have like a day-long seminar on dolls. And during this seminar, they have um, a different theme. And one year they did Laura so I put together a program on Laura Ingalls Wilder dolls. And so the Rubicon was crossed because before that I had a nice clear line. You can't collect everything. And I said, okay, I won't collect dolls that have completely been ruined. I have all sorts of Laura dolls now, and this is one of them. And if you are interested in this doll, I do not know if she still has any left. Uh, it came with this outfit and also a little stuffed cat and a little um, wooden, in quotes, I'm doing air quotes, wooden uh, trunk. And it really was a nice piece that she put together for that. It's got a hand-painted face, um, little calico outfit. And it really, it really means a lot to me because... Partly it reminds me of the kind of stuff my grandma Utah used to do. She didn't do anything this nice, but she uh, was a club woman and so did all sorts of, you know, little crafty things. She did the dolls that had apple heads. Um, yeah, that it was great. This, this is much nicer than the stuff she did, but it always reminds me of her when I see this doll. Okay, do we have any other things that were replied to? Let's 
And if you are unfamiliar, uh, there was a time in American uh, reading, teaching reading, that you would have a reader. And um, that was 19th, um, most of the 20th century when they were big. Uh, and starting in about the 30s, they tried to make them more popular by getting sections of popular books and reprinting them. Some of them used the actual English names. Some of them uh, changed the names of the characters in the story. And uh, I actually have a shelf in my Laura Breed building of Basil readers with a Laura story in them. So a lot of people, I think, found her stories that way. Um, Trisha Brown says, when I was in second grade, the Scholastic Book Flyer had the first three books bundled for sale. We didn't have a lot of money, so I rarely got Scholastic books, but I got, but I got them. I read them over and over for years, and then one day I found out there were more than three books. I don't know how I missed that fact, but in my defense, it was the early 80s and we didn't have internet. Well, I, I can't believe me, Trisha, because uh, there was another series of mystery books I liked when I was a kid, and the first book is The Boxcar Children. And The Boxcar Children is a supremely well-written book. And then they spun off a series of mystery stories from it. These were much more like the Bobsy Twins than they were the original Boxcar Children book. But um, they, were, they were nice. I read them when I found them. But it was like years, years and years later when I went to get a copy of the Boxcar Children from the library again and went, wait, what? What are all these other books? I, I didn't know there was a series. So I understand. Sometimes it's hard to find out. And sometimes, um, this this wasn't true in the 70s with Laura's books, of course, but sometimes there's a sequel written later, and you never even find out about it if you read the first one before there was a sequel. So that's perfectly, um, perfectly understandable. Um Uh, let's see. Amanda Anderson said that Laura was a cousin of her great-great-grandmother. Uh, Carol Frock Cheney said, I discovered them when I was nine in 1974, shortly after the TV series began. My parents got me The Little House in the Prairie along with a few other books from the Scholastic Book Service. I loved it and was excited when I found out there were more. I got the rest for Christmas that year. I still have that yellow cover paperback set. I have it stored in a trunk because they are too tattered to read anymore. And I can fully understand that. I have many, many copies of the books. Some are just rough reader copies, and some of them look quite sad from all the things that I've done with the books. And it uh, really is interesting if you haven't seen the um, or if you want to know if you are looking at a scholastic series the inside is the same as the yellow back or blue back set but the covers are like the little picture that is on the yellow back set has been blown up to cover the entire front of the book 
So if you've got one of those, you've got a Scholastic book. They weren't sold in sets or box sets, but Scholastic had all sorts of cool things, too. I also have a Jack that was sold by Scholastic, and I wish I could find more information on that because it's really one of my favorite things. I love that Jack. He's one of my favorite Jacks. Oh, and if you want to see that, I actually have one of my Laura in a Minute uh, episodes or episodes about my Jack collection, if you want to see the different Jacks, including the Scholastic one. Okay. Um, Lori Ann Friedline says, I'd always heard about them and been curious to read them. I'd seen much of the TV show and heard what a departure from the truth it was. I finally got the series on Kindle containing Garth Williams illustrations like just a couple months ago. I enjoyed them all. Once I learned those books were also fiction, but truer to her life than the show, I began to drill down through books, um, more the nonfiction books. Uh, I have to say... It is nice to be able to have them in all sorts of different formats now. And the most recent way I got all the books was on Audible. So uh, you can get them on there. The version is the one that Harper did most recently, which is Sherry Jones reading the books, which I'm kind of sorry about because I like um, – I mean, Sherry Jones is a Tony Williams Tony winning actress. I'm not saying anything against her, but um, the lady who did, oh gosh, I just blanked on her name. Julie Julie Harris uh, was an actress who I knew because she was Valine's mother on Knott's Landing, Uh, but she did a reading of Little House in the Big Woods in the 70s on record, and it is so much better. I wish, I wish she'd recorded all of them because she was fantastic. If you get a chance to read the, or to find those records, do it. It is worth buying them. They are great. I will warn you, though, for those of you who are not big record people, at one time, the latest thing about records was that you could stack up several of them and they would automatically drop once one record finished and then the, the arm would come out with the, and start the, the next record. And these are set up to be played like that. So on one side is one, two, three, four, and on the other, um, the, the, so, so it isn't side one and side two on one record. If you're trying to figure out why, it's because of the autoplay mechanism. And with that, let's go ahead and, oh, oh, we've got a caller, area code 925. Uh, You are on the air. Laura? Hello, is this Barbara or is this somebody else? Hi. No, it's Barbara. How are you? Yay. Thank you for calling in. I appreciate it. Not a problem. everybody... Tell everybody who you are, because I'm the only one who knows right now. Five years ago, on Laura's 150th birthday, my sister and I decided to go back and do all the activities, and I was so excited. I'm still excited when I talk about it. 
And that's how I found you, Sarah, because I started doing research and found you and you became my guide on what to do. Well, that is super nice of you. And uh, you and your sister did um, visited, I think, did you get through all the home sites? You did most of them. The only only place we didn't go was Malone. We didn't get to go up there. We we knew that, though, going into it. But we were in Laura's area, if you know, you will. We were there for a total of 12 days, and we drove a total of, I think it was, almost 2,000 miles as we crisscrossed back and forth and going to each site when they had their celebrations. So uh, you were, was this one, one, all one trip or did you do it in different sections? It was all one trip. Um, what What had happened was I had decided to surprise my sister for her birthday and I had given her all these clues on what we were going to do, this big Laura adventure. And she didn't get it. And I, <laughs> I probably should have known then. I probably should have known then I was more in love with Laura than she was. But but that was okay. I wanted to have a friend, a sister on the trip. So um and then as a lark, we decided to start a Facebook page for our family and our friends. And it was purely a lark. I didn't go into it with anything except here's this page that we put up so you could see what we do and then it blew up and there were like 3,000 followers and I had no idea how. Well, sometimes that just happens. I I had a page on a different subject and I went from having like 75 followers to like 1,500 and I don't know how and I wish I did so I could do it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I truly didn't know how. I don't know if it was because it was we as sisters were so silly. I was so heartfelt in my desire to learn more about Laura that maybe that's what caught people. I have no idea. Well, I think part of it is because you and your sister are very likable. And part of it was that you did a lot of uh, live video videoing from the various home sites. And your Facebook page is still there, right? It is. It is. Um, unfortunately, my sister and I are not as close as we once were, but I still have that to look back on. Well, sadly, that happens. But um, Now, uh, I know one, one of your questions was, where did you find Laura? And mm-hmm. I found Laura in the library. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was a really shy, anxious kid, and the library, the library was where I lived. I just, I lived there. I, I loved my librarians. Um, they cared for me. They really watched out for me. Um, they wouldn't let me go on the adult side. I could only stay on the, you know, juvenile young adult section. And I remember when right. I got on my own from my mom, I must've been eight, eight or nine where I could finally go and choose. It's still in the young adult section, but I could choose my own books. And I went to the Z authors, and my plan was to work myself back to the A's. Wow. That's how I was going to do it. Oh, yeah. No, that's how I was going to do it. Uh, I was a kid who thought reading encyclopedias was fun. So I was kind of a weirdo. Um, hey, reading encyclopedias a- is fun. I loved it. I did. It. I loved it. <laughs> um, so then 
I started with the Z's and I was working my way back and I hit the W authors. And I'm telling you, I never looked back. I, I got that first, you know, in the big woods and I was just enthralled with this, this girl and what she was going through and how they still remained a family throughout. I was just blown away. You know, Laura has that effect on a lot of people. And, and, and I think, well, there's different reasons. I mean, some people find it the family they never really had. Some of it just loves to see how people really did stuff. But I think one of the most important things that calls out to people is that Laura is the hero of the series, but she isn't just, uh, she, she isn't fearless. She's afraid and she does it anyway. And she knows she has to do, do things and figures out a way to do them. And uh, it's supposed to keep her temper and she gets mad anyway. And I just think that's something that appeals to a lot of people. Yes. Definitely. Um, golly, I just, I can just remember sitting in that corner of the library where the W's were on the ground, sitting on the ground, having pulled out Little House in the Big Woods, because that was, you know, my W's, Lauren Wilder, mm-hmm. and starting to read it. And again, only being eight. And I, I didn't want to move. I didn't want to leave. My mom had to come and drag me out of the library. And I checked out that, I checked out Little House in the Big Woods. Farmer Boy and Little House in the Prairie because you could check out three books at a time. So I took those three and I was back in a week for three more. It It is really addictive going through the first time. It really is. So mm-hmm. did you keep going that fast? Did you get through the series in uh, three weeks? Oh, yeah, I did. Um, I'm a really fast reader, which drives most, most of my family nuts. But um, I had finished the series, and I remember asking the librarian, you know, how do I find out more about the lady who wrote these? And she was just like, well, let's see what I can find for you. And uh, I'm not going to remember his last name, Sarah. The um, the man who wrote what I consider one of the first biographies I ever read was, his last name starts with a Z. Zocart. Yes. Yeah. And I don't Uh, know much about Zocart, thank you. Um, he was a writer. Well, I shouldn't say too much without looking at my notes. It's been a while since I did it, but uh, he <laughs> did. Um, he he was sort of the kind of person who did articles. So he do you know like a newspaper writer, he do a little research and do an article. And he got um, he went to the home sites and he got a hold of Pioneer Girl one of the first people to really use it. And so that was sort of the basis of his book. I mean, he took things from other places too, which, which is my biggest problem with that book because it's like, it's like you're singing the star dangled banner and someone in the middle of it put, take me out to the ball game. Cause I'm going along. Oh yeah, this is from there. And Oh, that's not from here. That's from that other thing. Oh, that's, that's not from because he uses a lot of the same words and it throws me off. But yes, that was one of the first biographies and it's still really selling. I mean, they have the little paperback ripped shirt. Oh, the paperback, the paperback version, if nobody in your listening world has seen it, 
if you look at the back cover of the paperback, it looks like a romance novel, but not a good it one. It really does. <laughs> and they have it that <laughs> shape, too. So if you saw yeah, it, yeah. You know, like if you were in an airport looking for something, looking for a romance book, you'd go, huh, hey, that looks like a good <laughs> exactly. romance. You know, uh, it is not. <laughs> the original it is not. No. Again, if you look in the back and you see Laura with this white blouse clearly unbuttoned, and you yes. see Amanda with you know the, the you know shirt ripped open and the suspenders looking off, you're like, no, 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 no. Yeah, looking hot. But I I was able to get my hands on a first edition of his book, and it's just for my collection. But I did reread it after, you know, doing a lot more research and listening mm-hmm. to people like you and, and William Anderson and people like that, where I was finally able to go, okay, this is who Laura is. Not that book per se, but now I'm starting to learn who she was. Well, it's always, it's always a deep dive to get in there. And, and I have to say that uh, that's one thing I say about the Little House books, that they're like the Bible in that if you are interested in something, you will find something about it in that in the book and something that supports your opinion of mm-hmm. whatever. So it's yeah, it's it's a deep dive to get in there. Oh, definitely. And I mean, I have been watching your podcast or listening to your podcast, and I had seen you know your different things. And honestly, I was so excited to meet you. I think we met in Wisconsin. Yeah, we, exactly. we met. A- like yeah, and because uh, I think that was the first of the series of events that was Laura Festival, which I loved. If you can ever concentrate for that festival, it was fantastic. It it really is one of the most fun ones. It doesn't have a pageant, but people tend to be a little bit more hands on there, and more people dress up. Even a, more adults dress up at that one than any of the other pro, or, uh, events for some reason. Yeah, we, one of our older sisters actually made us outfits to wear, and honestly, I didn't, I didn't have like the guts to do it. I don't know why. Um, my, <laughs> one of my 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 sister did, and she looked fantastic, and she was great, and she had so much fun, and I chickened out. Well, that's too bad, but I, I do think wearing historic costumes in public is, you know, you either have the personality for it or you don't. Well, you know, and I was watching the kids watch you because I kind of remember, were you doing cooking or you did a schoolhouse thing up there with some kids? And the kids were just so enthralled by you and you were dressed up and everything. And the kids just loved seeing that in action. Well, I, I, that is one thing that I really like about uh, in the uh, kitchen with Laura and in the classroom with Laura is yes. that yes. they are, I mean, all of my my programs are interactive, but those two are particularly interactive because I pull people up to help me do the stuff. So I really like that one. I'm glad you enjoyed it too. Oh, you know, here I am from California coming back out there and I was just blown away by the absolute love and passion that each home site's people had. You know, and not just for the books, but for Laura herself. Yes, I, I think that's very true. There are, um, I mean, I think all the home sites are really worth visiting. 
I even even when I was out in Keystone, because I've only been there once. I need to get back, but I've only been there once. And I wore a Laura shirt because whenever I do a Laura trip, I wear one of my Laura T-shirts. And I had more people tell me that trip than about any other place I've been. Oh, you have to go to the Laura Museum. Uh, and it's really, you know, the Cary Museum, but um, it is. It, it, <laughs> well, it's really the Keystone Museum to be accurate. Yeah, it's actually called the Keystone Museum. So, yes. <laughs> but they have a Cary, Mary, other Ingalls family member corner, uh, which is really nice. Yeah, it's a it's a lovely corner, um, and it's got, you know, again the the big debate on whose China Shepherdess is it. Um, and I'm going to choose to believe the one I saw in Keystone is the one. Well, I think that there are people who <laughs> definitely think it doesn't. I I don't necessarily <laughs> believe most of their reasons for not thinking it is, but I will say their big reason for thinking it is the original China Shepherdess is that even though it was broken, it was wrapped up carefully in a box. And why would you do that if it wasn't something special? And my grandmother did that all the time. We have an entire cupboard in the garage full of little glass ceramic pieces that were wrapped up. And wrapped in really old toilet paper or an old dishcloth. My mom did the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. Now, one of your other questions was, what is your favorite piece of memorabilia or whatnot? Um, I have two things. Um, I have an old plate, all of Laura's homesteads on it. And the plate's probably from the 70s. And I found that at a garage sale at Lake Pepin's during that festival. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Before the festival started, we had gone on some of the um, side streets that were closer to the lake. And we were just walking up and down them. It's such a such a wonderful town. And somebody was having a garage sale. And we yeah, started posting. They have a lot of garage sales in Pepin during the event. If you're a garage sale person, that's another reason to go. Oh, definitely. And we, we walked we were just walking. We must have gone by ten to fifteen of them. Um and I yeah. found the plate at one of these and the woman said she really wasn't into lore, but her mom had been. So I got that. And then the other thing I have is when William William Anderson was first writing, mm-hmm. he was producing his own stuff like on a mimeograph machine. And I have one yes. of the copies of one of his earliest productions of his mimeograph machine. Oh, really? I do, yeah. And I got it after the 150th celebration because if I would have brought had it, I would have brought it and asked him to sign it for me. Um, but I'm hoping to go to Laura Palooza, so we'll see. Well, I, I hope you get to go. That is really cool. I do not have a mimeographed one, um, so that is pretty cool. I I will say, if any of you uh, collect the William Anderson booklets, is um, he tends to change and update things as he goes along, and it isn't always necessarily clear that one edition is different than the next. So um, 
He does change the covers, so you have to watch for that. But but just because you have a copy of, say, A Wilder in the West doesn't mean you have the most recent, right. most corrected, up-to-date version. But that would I, – I have – my mom says, why do you need all those? But I have, I have the little um, Jeffrey's magazine holders, and I have a run of his different editions of them. So I could go back and trace the things as he added them. Because okay. Okay. that's so the kind of thing I think is fun. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um and laughingly, I still go on eBay and look for stuff. I know I shouldn't, but I do. Um, actually, I'm trying to look at what this is in my hands. Uh, this is an old mimeograph. I should send this to you, Sarah. Well, I am always great, grateful to get Laura stuff. So this is an old – William had – Bill had to put this together. This is the Ingalls family album, the first time he put it out. Oh, Yes. In 1973, yeah. So I have that copy from 1973. And luckily, it's full of a whole bunch of cutouts from newspapers and stuff. That's why I keep saying I need to send it to you. I'm actually opening it up and looking at it now. It's a pretty cool book. And it's a very... um, um, there's a lot of odds and ends in there, and I think it's well worth reading. Stuff you probably won't find other places are in there. Okay, now I'm looking at, yeah, Laura, Sarah, I'm sorry, I called you Laura. I'm going to send you this. This is newspaper clippings and all sorts of stuff, and honestly, you are the person to have these. Well, that is very nice of you. 1970. Okay, so here's a 1970 article from the Rapid City Journal about being at the public library and a carved set of miniature Wilder of Ingle family dolls. Yes, those are the Hulk with cutout carving. Uh, the Hulk, um, what's his name? Uh, Henry? Henry, I think. I'm not sure. Yeah. Hulk was oh. the artist's name, and his um, he did. Uh, he had a little shop in the Black Hills, and he did these carvings of the Ingalls family and would carve all winter in, like, I don't remember if it was eastern Minnesota or western Wisconsin, someplace like that. And he'd carve all winter, and then he'd spend the summer in the Black Hills sell, selling his carvings, and he did different ones, and the Laura ones were it. And you'll see him around sometimes. And I have two of the family, so... I still need oh, him, but I did, awesome. I did track him down, so I, I have a letter from him talking about it, which is pretty cool. Oh, that, that's, that's very cool. Um, and here's one more. I'm looking at an, a newspaper article, and this was in a library in Utah. They had a set of the dolls, and someone took the Laura doll. Oh, we want Laura back so today's children can enjoy the whole set. It belongs to the children of Rapid City, and we want future generations to enjoy the family as well. No questions will be asked. Oh, I hope so, too. So, no, yeah, so that's the thing that. Jeez. <laughs> so she would have been 155 today. Yes. So here's a question I have for you. 
They mm-hmm. obviously lived through the influenza of the early 1900s. Yeah. Do we know? Do we know if any of the Ingalls actually got that influenza back then? I can't say that I have looked for that specifically. I do not remember seeing anything about it. Neither and do I. I mean, diphtheria and other illnesses, but I never heard of any of them getting the big influenza, the big Spanish flu. And I, I would have thought I would have remembered if I did read it because um, – well, this is a stupid reason, but because my great grandfather's <laughs> favorite cousin died of it, and so he would talk uh-huh. about it. So yeah. it was always something that was in our lives because the, the his favorite cousin died, and uh, and it, in our family, so my gra- my grandmother got it in the nineteen twenty whatever nineteen eighteen, and they had they had just like Mary, they had to shave her head. Because her, her fever was so bad. Yeah, it's you know it it that that is one reason why time travel is not a great idea is because you know a lot of times people say oh I wish I could live back then but you know modern medicine would be a very hard thing to give up and oh, also and also drains. I can tell you from historic cooking, I do not mind carrying in buckets of clean water, but good Lord, I hate dealing with the dirty water afterwards. I would sell my soul practically for a drain. And also, <laughs> and also right through women, because my grandmother always, as my grandmother always said, that it took us this long to get the men to treat us as decently as they do. She said that's why she would never get remarried. She said it took him her 50 years to get my <laughs> grandfather. <laughs> so he, she liked it. But I just wonder what Laura would think of everything now. Just the computers and and what would she think of us researching so much of how and why she wrote what she wrote? You know, it, it, it's hard. It's hard to say. Uh, I, I'm going to quickly say uh, we just have about a minute left on the live stream, but I think we should keep talking a little bit, and it'll keep recording. But if you are okay. listening live, you'll have to catch the rest later. Um, <laughs> well, as, as far as Laura, uh, you know, the one thing is people always talk about, you know, if Laura came to the, you know, to the present or to when they were little, that they would be showing her all around and she'd be all, you know, impressed. And to some extent, I think that's true. But I also think that there are a lot of things that the sort of the original idea happened before people realized. I mean, yeah. is there really that much difference between a, a well-done Magic Lantern show and, you know, a projected movie? Mm-hmm. Not a lot. Yeah. You know, really, I mean, there's a lot of I think what would be harder would be if somebody from now went back. And I was just saying this 
I don't remember on what social media platform. I was just saying this recently, but the thing, the reason why all these stories where someone from the future goes back and fits into the society and is fine, the reason they're all not true is because of the underwear. People from the past coming to our underwear could steal us. <laughs> People from now going back and, you know, get like, get slotted drawers and think that they're, no, no, you, you, you would need basic construction. And they just skip over that. Yes, it it would be interesting to, to know what uh, they'd think of or what Laura would think of now and, and manly too, because honestly, Farming has changed so much since That's she was farming. What I was going to say the same thing, Sarah. I was going to say, what would Pa Ingalls think about how they farm today? Well, <laughs> my grandfather used to say that it used to be that a man would plow one furrow and that was, uh, that was all his. And then they came out with bigger plows. And as time went on, they'd have to borrow from the bank to pay for the other furrows. And when you got done, they were doing these huge furrow plows, and people were still really only getting the good of that one part of the furrow. So I imagine he would think something like that, because I think my grandfather was like El Manzo in some ways. But, you know. Yeah. You never know, but I mean, can you? I just can't imagine Pa Ingalls, you know, riding up on Star, one of the ponies, and and seeing a big John Deere, and just being like, "The heck is this?" <laughs> so, well, do you know how? Do you know how Laura celebrated her birthdays as an adult? Uh, well, a lot of times Laura and Manly would celebrate together because their birthdays were only, you know, it's roughly a week apart. And so mm-hmm. they would have a joint party. And the the best party that we know about is they had this party that was kind of like Antiques Roadshow that everybody was supposed to dress up in old-fashioned clothes and bring something that other people wouldn't know about. Uh, and she had this little whole poem inviting people to it. And, and I just think it sounds like great fun. I, I wish I could have been at that party. Because then the proverbial fly on the wall and watch them dress yeah. up in, quote-unquote, olden days. Yes. That That is the birthday that I think we probably know about the most as an adult, and I think it is the coolest thing ever. So, Oh, yeah, pretty pretty witty and fun to do something like that, no matter what era. Yes. So um, what big events are going on this summer? Well, what's going on this summer? Um, well, uh, Laura Palooza is going to be out in Malone. And the uh, Walnut Grove pageant is going to be having uh, an anniversary. Last year, it was the Desmet pageant. And this coming year, it's going to be the, uh, Wal- the Walnut Grove pageant. And in fact, right before this started, 
Uh, I was watching their live stream, and they were having a couple technical issues. But one of the things that I did get to see was they had a preview of their new pageant exhibit uh, in uh, the Laura Museum. And I, they, they, I haven't gotten a date nailed down yet, but they had asked me to come to speak for that one. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And I don't know what else I am going to get done. To, um, and it's hard to tell because I didn't even do a, a, a schedule of the Laura events during the year for the last two years because people kept scheduling and then canceling and then coming yeah. back with a smaller thing and then canceling and then coming. So I didn't even try to keep track of it on a looking at the year basis because it, it was just too complicated. So I'm not entirely sure what else is going to go on this summer. It sort of depends on how things are going. But hopefully we'll be open again up in the summer and we'll be able to do Laura events. Um, I hope so anyway. Yeah, I definitely want to go back and kind of do what I did all over again, but really spend the time at each exhibit and almost like looking at the stitches of the clothes, if you will. I really want to immerse myself again in all of it. Well, it it does. It is a bit addicting. I I keep talking about other places I want to go, and I keep ending up in Smet. <laughs> well, you've exactly got you. I was never super interested in, in prior presidents or whatnot, but you've got me interested in Hoover now, and I've been reading a lot about Hoover because of the things you put up about him. Well, I'm glad. Hoover was a great guy. He, he was not perhaps our best president, but the whole rest of his life was incredible, and there was Lou Henry as his wife, who is awesome sauce. And I will fight oh, anybody who says she isn't. I love Lou Henry. Oh, yeah. I was actually even, I wrote to another podcast called The History Chicks, and I'm like, you need to cover Lou Henry. She was an amazing woman. Oh, totally was. And if you people have not been following my Hoover comments, because, again, <laughs> Lou Henry, awesome sauce, she is the one who invented the Girl Scout cookie. So if you like good Girl Scout cookies, you owe a debt to Lou Henry Hoover because she was awesome stuff. And that was just one of the many things she did. She had, I, mean, I knew about a lot of things, but I did not know about the cookies. Yeah. yeah I mean, there's That's even awesome. a little thing in the museum where they've got a replica of her <laughs> cookie, uh, cookies with the, the first girls that were Girl Scouts. And I was like, yes. And she did a lot of Here's another question. Oh, okay. When do you think Hollywood will do a realistic portrayal of Laura? I don't know that they ever will. I think it would have to be... Well, at this point, people are coming after Laura in 
as representing the pioneers and saying that saying that basically the Midwest never should have been settled and how they are expressing that is not liking Laura. So I really think that is going to be the prevailing wisdom in Hollywood for quite a while. We would have to kind of get a new mindset to really have Laura come out. And I also think you really, when I was growing up, there was a lot of interest in history. And part of that was the bicentennial because America tends to go crazy every hundred years or so about the centennial. (laughs) Uh, Really look back. There's, they did all kinds of things. I mean, just. Oh, Sarah, I, Sarah this for, is, for, this is for the kind of thing I do. For the bicentennial, I bought a set of slides that they had taken of the Disney uh, bicentennial parade that are so red that you cannot <laughs> see anything. And I bought them anyway because that's how nuts people are about the bicentennial. And you go, I keep hoping that that will come around again. You know, we are really almost up to the um, 250. And I hope that will bring up more interest in history again. But right now, you know, there's just not that push. And without that push and with that mindset that she is, you know, the representative of a whole movement that, there's a group of people who will only see the bad side of, I, I just don't see them doing it. It would, it would be nice, but I think you'd almost need to get somebody who was a real Laura fan and was a big enough person in Hollywood to push it through. Right. Right. That's too bad. In 1976, I was 12 years old for the Bicentennial. Elementary school did a huge pageant, and I was a square dancer in one skit. I was one of the Anders sisters singing Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy, and I was one of the Mouse the Tears. And yep. see, people do do incredibly cool stuff. That's yep. what happens when you don't like history anymore. You don't do incredibly cool stuff. And I remember being 12 and, you know, just being really excited about doing these different dances and music. I just thought it was great. Yeah. I mean, it really, it was like the whole country was history mad. And the same thing happened at the centennial. And I'm hoping the same same thing will happen again in the, you know, when it comes around to the tricentennial, but you never know. It, it's hard to yeah. say. You never know. Yeah. By then, we all may be heads, like on Futurama. So. <laughs> <laughs> we, we could be. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's scary. Um, anyway, I'm so glad that you do these broadcasts. It's so nice. Well, I'm glad you enjoy them. I, I always... I always wish that I got could get them down on a more regular basis, but partly it's trying to get people to, um, you know, a time when people can speak, and partly is it's just me, me and my administrative assistant, my mother. You want to say hi, mom? 
she does not want to say hi. Um, does your Does your mom help you name all the dishes you make for holidays, which I oh, love? Yeah. yeah, we do theme meals um, because I love them. Well, actually, love them. actually, it was because um, uh, back in the day when my grandmother's health was starting to fail, she. One thing older people need is socialization. So we had big family parties. And for a while, we did one about every month. Um, and we'd pick a different theme every every month. And we would name things. And a lot of our stuff is normal stuff just made to look odd. Uh, <laughs> it isn't. It isn't like we do alligator every time or something. No, it's it's different. But actually, actually, we are working on one now for uh, next weekend, and it's going to be just ducky. Oh, fun! Oh, fun. and it's and it's going to. There, the reason what inspired it was that somehow I had seen this Jamaica bread that they make in the form of a duck. And if you look at it online where you buy it in the shops, it really looks like a duck. If you get the ones you buy uh, online, they look kind of like a duck that someone took their head and pushed down. <laughs> but uh, so that's what inspired it. But we're, we're doing uh, just ducky that we're working on right now and seeing uh, what we I look forward to seeing the pictures with their little name tags next to them. It just makes me oh. giggle. Well, I will have to be sure to share those out. We don't always share them, but yeah, I'll have to do this time. Um, okay. So we don't we don't do near as many anymore because, like I said, the primary focus was really trying to keep my my grandmother socialized because she didn't get around to see people very much towards mm-hmm. the end. But but it, it we've kept it up. It's a fun a fun way to have a party. Okay, so let's jump to something else. Are there okay. any new Laura books or historical books on the horizon? Um, there was just, let's see, uh, there just came out a month or so ago. Does it actually say when? It does. It must have been a couple months ago because it says 2021. Uh, But there's a book out called Reliving the American Frontier, Western Fandoms, Reenactment, and Historical Hobbyists in Germany and America since 1900 by Nancy Reagan. And uh, Reagan is spelled R-E-A-G-I-N. And she has a chapter in here on Laura Ingalls Wilder fandom. And she's not just talking about Laura because she's talking about different ways people remember the West. And another thing she was really excited about was um, that apparently in Europe, it is really big to have uh, old West celebrations and things, which I did not know anything about, but, uh, I am actually, I am in the acknowledgments of this next to Barbara Walker. Congratulations. Yes, I'm quite impressed with that, too. And uh, and she quoted me a couple times. So uh, that one has just come out. And it's from the University of Iowa Press, which, as everybody knows, Iowa is the best state. So that's good. 
And, yeah. and I live in Iowa City, so I've got to say yay, university. Um, and the they just came out with the second one in the trilogy of books from Pioneer Girl. And okay. it, it's uh, they, they just came out with the second one, the revised text, and they are working on the third one. And there was a huge long gap between the first one of the follow-up series and the second one, but apparently they are hoping the third one should come out fairly soon. So I'm guessing, and this is just guessing, do not hold me to this, but I'm guessing that would be maybe at the end of 2022 or sometime in 2023 if things continue to go well, um, because that. That's okay. Those are the two I really know about that are coming Mm -hmm. out soon, but but people don't always tell me things, which is very wrong because I promote the heck out of stuff if I think it's a good thing. But oh yeah, people don't tell me. I have to find stuff out. What will the third book in the trilogy? Do we know what that will be about? Yeah. Yes, they are. I actually just had an uh, interview with Nancy Copel, who heads the project on one of my Mm -hmm. last episodes. But uh, it is going to be, well, the the second book was taking the three basically complete versions of Pioneer Girl and comparing them with uh, annotations about the process of writing. Yeah, I'm reading, I'm almost done with that one now. And... Well, it's it's a great book. I have to write my review of it. I have not written my review of it, which is bad. It's sitting there mocking me right now. But um, the uh, third one is going to be like that, but more looking at how um, it became Little House in the Big Woods. So looking at the Little House in the Big Woods, looking at uh, when Grandma was a little girl, looking at the original kind of juvenile version before they got mm-hmm. up to when Grandma was a little girl, which um, I just don't know who they thought that book was for. It, it It's too many pages. You can – all right, for people who don't know this, and it may not be as true now because the books are electronic, but back in the day – you had to print the number of pages that you could evenly fold the book into. Um, this would be a lot clearer if I had a, if I could have a picture. But as they printed it, they would then fold it up into the actual book and then cut the the side of the pages sticking out. You'll sometimes in really old movies, you'll see people with one of those books and see them have a knife while they're reading so they can cut the pages. That's, uh-huh. that's part of it. So you, you have to have books be certain number of pages or nobody's going to buy it because it will be too many pages for one format and not enough for the other. And you don't want to have a bunch of blank pages in a book. So who they thought would buy a book of that length of pages, I have no idea because it would not it would not work. You could not get a book 
that number of pages. So right there, you know, it, it, they, they had shot themselves in the foot before they even started. But uh, <laughs> it, it, it was an important step, and it will be interesting seeing how they get it all the way through uh, Little House in the Big Woods. Because, um, you know, that really, really was a phenomenal process. And I say, having read Pioneer Girl, that, uh, I well, actually, even having just read the transcript of it, because I had, you know, other uh, copies, photocopies of it before they came out with it as a published book. Having read that, I just don't know why Rose thought in the name of God anybody would buy it. I mean, it needed so yeah. much. So much. Where, where was Rose's, yeah, where was Rose's brain in thinking this was a good idea at that time? I don't know. Nancy Copel suggested that maybe what it was was she was kind of, Rose was kind of mad at her mother and thought she was saying, all right, fine, you don't want my help, I'm not going to hardly touch it. But I don't know. She edited almost too much for that and not enough to make it saleable. I mean, mean, really. I I think if the people that she gave that book to to sell um, or, you know, to possibly buy it, knew that it had been a New York Times bestseller, they they would they would not believe it. I mean they would not believe it. Yeah. That book yeah. did not deserve to be a bestseller. It really it did not. I love Laura, but that book did not deserve to be a bestseller. Yeah, I mean you can definitely see the path as the books go along of just how the writing became better, the editing became, to me, better as an adult. Now, as a mm-hmm. kid, I didn't know. As a kid, I just, I ate it up. I didn't know. But as you got older, at least as I got older, and I reread the books once a year. That's my deal. I reread them once a year. And every year, I just kind of go, oh, huh. Okay. Um, kids like this, huh? Well, and and really, I mean, there really is so much in it. I do encourage rereading because you get something different out of it every time because you're at a different age and you're noticing things. And, you know, even some of the, the terms or, you know, phrases that they use, you might understand better at one time than another. It's highly yep. believe people should reread. I'm glad to hear you do. Oh, yep. Every year out comes my yellow box series that I finally got when I was 12 years old with my babysitting money. <laughs> well yep. worth getting. I mean, as I was Definitely. mentioning earlier, I just love Helen Gentry and how she um, designed that, that series that, um, well, the ones that the yellowbacks are based on and still carry over most of her design work because it's just so, so well done. I mean, yeah. It, especially the long winter. I mean, look at the book design in it and the way they she used Garth Lane's marginal. It, it's just, ugh. If you had, if I, anybody I, listening and you haven't looked at the yellow, heart, or yellow paperback set of the book's long winter, go and look at it. It is so yeah. well done. The way they have 
the there's a, a one butterfly at the beginning, and the only other butterfly you'll find is at the end. And there's just one or two snowflakes, and there's snowflakes all over the place, and there's snowflakes going off the page. It looks so brilliant. I love her. I think those <laughs> illustrations were such a huge part of my love of the books, too. Yes. I, I think that, um, you know, people really liked the Helen Sewell things, but I think a lot of people really enjoyed the Garth Williams version a lot better. So I think it did really make a difference. Um, Harper's tried to sell a set. Well, they tried a couple times to sell the books without the illustrations and they've had to go back and do books with the Williams illustrations <laughs> because they don't sell as well without it. What happened to the original illustrations? Well, Garth Williams was an artist who kept most of his work. Uh, he didn't have it overly um, overly organized or anything. Um, Bill Anderson said he went to see him once and he had his box of, of little house drawings under his bed. Oh. Um, and he also, it really would have been a great thing because he kept a very complete record, not just of, of little house books, but all of his books. And he didn't just have the original drawings. He had the um, kind of proof drawings. Apparently, as I understand it, they would print off a, a copy of the illustration on kind of cheapish paper to get him to approve it, and his, he'll initial each one. And he had a set of those, too. And um, when he died, he'd had like three families. So they basically ended up selling out all of that art. And uh, the Walnut Grove Museum uh, put together put together a effort to get all of the um, as many of the on the banks home creek drawings as they could. And the other mm -hmm. home sites tried to get enough money to get some of them. Uh, they have quite a few in Dismet, um, but Walnut Grove is the most um, focused collection, trying to get just on their location. So they're around, and they normally put some um, for display at a time, or they're in their archives. Um, they also, the... Mildred Boyle, the original set of books was illustrated by Helen Sewell, who was an interesting person in her own right, but um, Mildred Boyle was, uh, it, it's a long story, but for the, the later books in the series, she started working with Mildred Boyle, and Mildred Boyle had some of her original illustrations. And her nephew ended up with them, and he went on Antiques Roadshow. And after that, he sold them to the home sites. So most of the home sites will have at least one Mildred Boyle. Uh, even like Burr Oak has a Mildred Boyle. Um, okay. 
so you can you can find them around and they are still on the market i i myself could not afford an original but oh, let me I ask have how, how those, much i have oh i was it, in the thousands for That's most what I, I i was thinking anywhere from 5 to 10,000 for an original now i did get a a couple of the lower steps. One that was that mm-hmm. kind of sheet paper thing that had been initialed, which I kind of insulted the people who were selling it because I did not think it would be on that sheet of paper and I was asking, is this really a thing? But I checked with some people afterwards and it was a thing. I was incorrect. So anyway, I've got one <laughs> of those uh, from Farmer Boy and then I have one that was a very early pencil sketch blocking out the the drawing. And there were several uh-huh. of those. And when I say pencil sketch, I don't mean nicely done where there are any of the details. I mean that it was, you know, like um, really quick penciling out where things would be in the picture. And I bought, did get one of those. And that one, I think, oh, I'd have to look up how much I paid. But it was something like like $200 or something, somewhere around there. What so an awesome they are out there. What? What an awesome ad for your collection, though. Oh, yes, yes. That, is, that was something that was really special. I also have one from um, Jody Wheeler who did the farmer boy illustrations for the My Little House book. And uh, I have one of hers that was from a project that was going to be a follow-up book that never got published. And so I've got the original of that. And that's one of my favorites too. So I do, I have a section that is my art section in my. Oh, that's fantastic. And then I have some numbered prints, too. Of the prints, my favorite one is Good Morning, Mrs. Ingalls. That was one they did in the Smet because there's a story of this boy who, for his earning money over the summer, would round up all the cows that were in town. Because people used to have a cow in town, even though they were in town. And he'd take the cows out to a pasture and feed them during the day. And every single day, he'd come by and... Ma was sitting standing out by her garden with her hoe, and he was like, boy, she's out in that garden all the time. And somebody told him, it's because she doesn't want your cows to eat her garden. <laughs> and in the, drunk, in the print, one of the cows has gotten one of the tomato plants. <laughs> and it's just such a great story. I love that print. That is my favorite print. <laughs> Um, I was lucky enough to stay in the bed and breakfast in DeSmet. Prairie Manor. Yeah. Prairie Manor. Bankeroo's house. Bankeroo's house. And, I mean, we just loved staying there. Really did. Yes. It was was pretty much my favorite bread and breakfast ever. It was really nice. Um, They had the happiest breakfast on earth. And I have to say had because they, the last I heard, and, and I don't know, this, this could have changed, but the last I heard, they were shutting down um, at the end of 2021, which is just 
heartbreaking I know. because they had the pancake man and my mom keeps making me pancake man and saying, see, it's just as good. And it's not as good. It's not. I'm sorry. It wants to be as good. It isn't. When, when we got there, we were the only people staying there at the time. Um, and the couple that I think still owns the house, and they, yeah. they told us, we're going to be out. I don't know where they're. It was a Sunday night. We're going to be out, but you just let yourself in and make yourself at home. Now, coming from California, I was like, are you nuts? <laughs> what do you mean you're leaving this house open for me to come into? And then we pulled into this net and went to the house. And I went, oh, okay, I get it. I, I, I had never been around small towns like that. Just never had. And everybody was willing to show me where the house was. And Dairy Queen's still open. You can get something to eat. And no, let yourself in. They're fine. Don't worry about it. It was it was charming and unique all at the same time. Yes. And I think I think people who've never lived in a small town don't understand uh, why people would want to live in a small town. But I think there is a lot of reason to. Uh, I'm glad you had such a good experience, and I, I did love the Prairie Manor. I hope eventually somebody can open it up again because – Well, I'm, it, I'm not quite sure why at, at Laura Palooza we don't all talk about just buying the place. It's <laughs> just running. Yes. Well, it, uh, when people really look at it, it uh, bed and breakfast tend to be a fairly low margin of process profit and the fun of a bread and breakfast is setting it up and the Mm -hmm. work of having to deal with people constantly you know most people can only do it for so long it's it's kind of like tea rooms unfortunately that you know you have a favorite tea room after a few it only lasts so long because people get tired right to do all the, the work I mean nothing nothing against them but it is it's a lot you have to pour a lot of yourself into it. And, you know, there are very few people who can do it for a super long time. And they have a very um, seasonal thing there that the there's the Laura season and there's the hunting season and the rest of the year, they don't have um, very much in the way of people coming through. So it's it's a hard thing. It really is. But I think yeah, you're, well, and the dealing with people. I mean, I worked for thirty years as a station agent in the subway in San Francisco. So you know, dealing with tons of people is really difficult. It really is. Um, and especially with COVID, the last couple of years, I'm not even sure how you could run a bed and breakfast. Yeah, it, it it is a hard thing, and now, I, have I you believe, ever been? Have you ever been out to California to see Rose's place in San Francisco? I have not. Okay. I I, I have. I I have my um, father was an army base out there before I was born, and my mom worked. Or it was um, had a job in. Let's see, I think it was a Singer factory, and it was was it Salinas? It was the lettuce capital of the world. Was where they were. Salinas. But yep. I, <laughs> yep. <laughs> but I have never been out there. 
but the Rose House, I mean, the house that Rose was in during that time, it was very interesting. To me, what's more interesting is the history of the World's Fair that was there while she was there. Um, yeah. And so much of it is gone, but there's still some of it left. Um, but that's really, imagining her walking through all that is pretty cool. Well, World's Fairs are cool just about, just themselves. Uh, to add the Laura and Rose factor is just is just great. I mean, it's it's and have you had any of the scones? They the company still makes the um, mix that they made the scones out of at the that World's Fair that Laura talks about. And I have I've, five. I've heard, of, I've heard about them, but I've never had them. I have five boxes in my uh, cupboard right now. <laughs> Because I I have made them, but they're the the problem is when you make them in a house that has has doesn't have a lot of people in it, they last a long time, and they're best fresh. <laughs> so where will you be going this summer? Well, I'm going to be going to Walnut Grove definitely, and I. I want to go back to DeSmet when it's slower because DeSmet now lets you take pictures inside the historic houses. And I took quite a few pictures, but I was there with a group. And so a lot of my pictures were kind of close up and not the whole room. And I would like some more whole room shots for my um, program. So I'm trying to come up with a good enough excuse to go out there. But I don't know how to come up with one. And that, as far as I know right now, that will be my main Laura trip of the year. But I don't know. You never know with Laura's stuff, especially this year. You never know with stuff right now. So, Right, right. You know, last year I did a program out at Homestead National Monument, and I had no idea if that was going to still be a thing by the time we got out there or not. Though, I, we did get to do it outside, and I, I once again, every time I come back from there, I find out about something I should have paid attention to and didn't. It's very disgusting. <laughs> I hope I Yeah, and I mean, I'm... Head. I'm so jealous of how many times you've got to go and how much research you've done and all that stuff. I mean, I'm just a hack and enjoyed every minute of what I did and what I posted for people. But I think what I lost in that was not getting to really enjoy the moment myself. That's why I want to go back. Well, I I will really say I have not taken the, the, big circle type of trip yet. It's actually, actually I have it on my agenda to take one of those and I have not yet gotten it done. But um, I really think it's better if you possibly can to do like one or maybe two home sites. I, I, I always recommend Baroque, Pepin and Spring Valley together. So that's three, but I, you know, that's sort of, the outsider. Most of the time you want to go to two home sites a trip at most because you have to do enough research so you know what there is to see there. And I think a lot of people have the idea 
that you get there and they'll hand you a thing to chunk and that'll be all you need to know to see everything. And that is not the way it works. I I don't know if that's true anywhere, but it is definitely not true in Morrowtown. So, so you really need to kind of get in the right mindset and do the research before you go. And you can only remember so much I mean, even if you spent, you know, a long time researching, you can only hold so much in your your uh, short-term memory. And it's after a while, it's like, oh, another Laura Ingalls Wilder Historic Highway. Have we seen this one yet? <laughs> um, so um, I, I really do recommend, you know, trying to do more focus. But, you know, right. it, people have great fun doing the big circle trip, and sometimes that's the only only way they can go and like I said after I take mine I might be saying that's the only way to go (laughs) now have you ever been to the Florida site I have not been to the Florida site Um, it's actually right near the Georgia border and in the sort of piney woods of the panhandle area of Florida and I think it would be cool to to get down there but it's one of those sites where you know there it's definitely a site where if you don't do a lot of research you have you know it's woods right (laughs) and that's about it yeah now, okay, this is my personal opinion, but the picture of Laura and Almanzo in Florida, I've never thought looked like them. Well, I studied that picture like you, I mean, honestly, I'm a, I'm a weirdo. I look at that picture and I'll look at other pictures and I'll be like, it just doesn't look like them. Well, I think part of it is that Laura looks really annoyed. I don't think she looks like that in any of the other home sites. You know, she hated Florida. She would never go back to Florida. Manly um, went back himself a couple times because his sister Alice lives there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he, but, but she, Laura would never go back. She hated it. So I, I think that might be part of it is that sort of the look of cold hate. Yeah, yeah, no, she does not look happy. So I think that might make her look different. But you never know. I mean, sometimes sometimes photos tend to turn out not to be who you think they who people said they were. There's there's certainly a lot of Laura pictures that were mislabeled through time. So you know, yeah. you never know. But yeah, it's I, I think it's mostly it is just such a such a different she was in such a different frame of mind and that can really uh-huh. affect your photos. So I think yeah. that might be what you're seeing, but I, I don't know. I'll look again at the anger in her face. That's what I'll look at. Yeah. Really, <laughs> and, the mean, thought, and the thoughts in the back of her mind about are we going home now? I think that was really her thing. I, I think um, there wasn't Disney World in Florida yet, so. Yeah. 
So Walt, had, Walt really, hadn't gotten there yet. No, his grandparents were living here, but no, no, never mind. Uh, <laughs> it, it was, um, yeah, it, it was. I, I, it was just a bad situation for her, and and it's kind of I think, you know. You hear so many people in the media and the way they are talking about living in cities like it's the only possible way to live. And I couldn't do it. I, I, I just couldn't. And I think Laura was like that about Florida, that it was enough of a cultural shock and a weather shock that she just, she, she couldn't do it. She wouldn't even try. Yeah, that makes sense. The we- I'm sure the weather and the bugs probably just, ugh. And the Florida sun, I mean, you listen to, well, the Orlando's south of there, but you listen. Those of you who do not know this, there is an entire civilization that is dedicated to planning Disney trips. And one of the things they talk about <laughs> is the summer and how hot it is and the way the sun beats down at you if you, you know, don't have some kind of shade and how you soak through your clothes. And, you know, she she did not have Mickey Mouse to distract her and was stuck with all the bad parts. Yeah, she so, had yeah. strange neighbors and <laughs> the, whole, the whole nine yards. Yeah, and it really was a, it really was a different culture from the Midwest. I mean, yeah, they were both Americans, but the the it, it was a different culture, and and her cousin married into it quite happily, and you know did fine, but it, it was just a bridge too far for Laura. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> So I've kept you on the phone for 45 minutes or so on now, but I wanted to let you know, (laughs) want to let you know, I I am so appreciative of all the work you've done on just your broadcast and your podcast and and just your writing. I have learned so much just, just from you. Well, thank you so much. I, I always, I really appreciate hearing that because honestly, a lot of what I do is kind of screaming into the void, and you don't know if anybody's paying any attention. Well, so, I have certainly appreciated, uh, what, going on five, six years now. I've really appreciated. And going back and reading, you know, your older, you know, blogs and whatnot. Just been, it's been wonderful, and I thank you. Well, I, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you think you've gotten something good out of it. I, I hope so. That. That is my goal, to um, really pass along things I think are interesting and a story I think is important. Um, so I, I, I'm really glad you, you think that. Um, why don't you tell everybody the name of your Facebook page if they want to go back and check out your uh, We're Live videos? <laughs> Prairie. And you can find it on Facebook, and it's still alive. And every once in a while, I'll post something or put something up. But for the most part, it was really that whole Facebook page was was about watching me completely geek out in Loraland. 
Well, and, and I think another reason why people really liked it was that you weren't really an, an expert, that you were just an everyday person who decided to do this and had a great time. And I think there's a lot of people who that is their dream to, to not be an expert, but to get to go and do this and have a great time. Literally in the Laura experience, if you will, was the one that I had been dreaming about since I was eight years old, sitting on the library floor. Truly was. I just admired her so much as a woman, as a writer, as, as the child and who she became. I was just so entrenched in all of that. Well, it's, it happens to so many of us, but I'm glad you finally got to do your trip and uh, got to, to get to be there. I, I still talk about, you know, the, the time that there was a small conference in Dissonet uh, many years ago, and I was there for it, and I was wearing, I wasn't wearing one of my historic costumes. I was wearing um, like a, well, a, a business sort of thing, but it had a really long skirt. And I was walking along on the road next to the Ingalls Homestead back up to the uh, visitor center from the school that was there. And yep. it, just, it just felt like I had stepped back in time, like there had been some kind of, you know, a magical thing. And there I was standing on the Ingalls, the road by the Ingalls family and, and Pa and Ma were up at the top of the hill and, it was just like, wow. And that's what you get from traveling to the home sites. It, it really is. And, and, and if you don't cry when you stick your foot in Plum Creek, I just don't want to know you. <laughs> <laughs> I bawled. Well, I bawled like a baby. You know, that the creek is the one time where you can really use the Douglas Adams line in 42 about – Boy, that girl really has her towel. You yeah. have it set. Exactly. Don't go to Plum Creek without a towel. You need a towel. You definitely do. Yeah. Um, it's it is. It's an amazing thing, and it's such a nice creek to to wade in. Now, not all creeks are like that. My, our creek out in the timber, my God, it's terrible trying to walk in that sucker. But that one is. So nice it is. Even if you don't like Laura, going to that creek is worth it just to go waiting. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, we got there, and I had known to bring a towel. I don't know if I heard it on your podcast. I'm not sure, but I had a towel. So because um, I was going to go waiting, and we did. You probably mm-hmm. did. I do say that about the towels quite frequently. And yeah, it had to have been you because I remember my sister going, "Why do you have a towel from the hotel?" And I'm like, because we're going to get wet. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Now, I have not seen the creek since they had the floods through there, so I don't know if it's changed any of the topography or anything. Um, I did not get to out to the dugout site the last time I was there. Um. I was actually coming back from the Smet and 
with a traveling partner who is more than ready to be home. So I could only look around Walnut Grove until the museum opened so I could drop off the box of stuff I brought for him. So I did not get to go every place that I wanted to, but you could tell the damage that had been done at the um, at the pageant grounds, definitely. Oh. I have not heard that it did too much at Plum Creek, but honestly, there isn't much in the way of um, man-made stuff there. There's uh, the bridge, and I would be willing to bet they had trouble with the walk because, I mean, but they they get they get flooded fairly high most years. If if you walk along under the bridge, you can see the the tree branches and stuff that have gotten stuck under there from the water being that high. Yeah, do, not people never been... do not go in the creek if the water is that high. If anybody okay. has any kind of thought of doing that, do not do that. No. Um, no, even, even when we were there in late summer, the creek still has a little a pretty good flow, so I can imagine if it's high, no, that would be dangerous. Yes. It would As be. Laura it's... found out, trying to cross that yes. little bridge. <laughs> Don't do it. No. No, do not do that. But uh, and it, it was... is well worth the walk. It really is. I, yes. I, yeah. It, it's one of my favorite Laura things to do. I just I love standing on the side of the creek where the dugout was and just looking out over the prairie. It's it's, it's beautiful. And the people who have that property, haven't they put a lot of prairie grasses and stuff back in? Yes, they have. Yeah. I'm kind of sorry about that because I had a picture of it when it was still wheat field, and I wish I was able to take another one. <laughs> but uh-huh. uh, yes, it it has been replanted to prairie grasses, and they have a really nice uh, walking trail there, one through the upland of the prairie and one down along the creek. Mm-hmm. It is well worth the stop, even if you okay. don't go waiting. So why you would go there and not go waiting, I have no idea. Take a towel. Well, that was the stop where I figured out that my sister was not as into it as I was. And it had taken me a while. Because I remember turning to her and saying, aren't you going to go in the creek? And she goes, well, why? I'm like, <laughs> do not read? Thanks. I'm and I'm looking at my sister going, do I even know you? And she goes, I hate to tell you this, but you are way more into Laura than I was. And I'm like, why are you here then? And she just said, because I knew it would be fun. Well, I think you, she did have a good time, so it worked out. Oh, yeah, no. Right. We had a right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, not not more people don't know about the towel. <laughs> but then my sister thanked me because she went in and she comes out and she looks around. And I go, "Do you want to buy her my towel?" <laughs> as as said, only as a sister could say to another sister who was sopping wet. Yes. Yes. It, it's. I'm serious. <laughs> you I'm sorry. I said, no, I'm serious. You need a towel. And if you go much further than right there by the bridge, you also want to take some water to rinse off because you're going to get in deeper water. But <laughs> yeah. no. be careful where you step. I mean, there were a couple places yeah. where it kind of went down. Um, yeah. My sister got wet because she fell off the big stone. 
so she went kerplunk in. Um, I oh. was very careful going down going down the stone, <laughs> the big that big rock tableau. That's just it's a huge rock. Yes, and it is. I think the best place to step in and out of the creek. I always recommend that because people do it do get in the creek right across from where the dugout was but that's such a steep Mm -hmm. nasty rocky little thing it's it's much better to get on by the get in by the rock i I do like that home site that one is just that one's pretty special it is and they have done they have done a lot with it, and the pageant there is incredible. It, it really, it's the most Hollywood of the, the pageants, and they have had such bad luck the last few years that I hope this anniversary year gets a lot, um, gets a lot of people coming because they, they need it. They need it, and they deserve it. They do such, such a good job and such hard work. They do. Yeah, and um, and if you haven't done Walnut Grove, one thing to know is the Hmong people who were involved with us in the Vietnam War, and they were taken out and brought here to the Twin Cities. And when their leaders decided they needed to move to a small town, one of their daughters loved the Little House books. And she said, well, if we're moving to a small town in Minnesota, let's move to Walnut Grove. And so they did. And so there's a oh. very diverse community there because because of that. That's amazing. Yeah. I want to go to this town because I read this book, and I think we'll do great there. Yeah. And she was right. Yeah. I, you know, every time I tease my husband about, well, we're, we are retired now, we don't have children, so we could, you know, almost live anywhere, and I'm like, so what would you think of like Pepin or what would you, he's just like, would you please look at the winters there? Okay. Well, the winters are bad if you uh, like, um, if you're used to California, but I have to say that the thing about Pepin is that it is like a weekend away town for the Twin Cities. So that's a very easy drive. So if you are a city person used to city things, you can live in Pepin and live. <laughs> they, have, they have way Pepin's more restaurants. Beautiful. It is beautiful. And they have way more restaurants than any town that size should be able to support just because of those weekend people coming in. And a great art community, which they would not be able to yep. afford if that wasn't for those weekend people coming in. And then when we left Pepin, we um, – drove across and then we went into uh red wing yeah then we went into the town ta- is the town named red wing yes it is i don't and it it's is. where uh, the red wing uh red, red wing boots i think the name yep. of the company uh yep. is, so, is named after that town that's where the original factory was and it's still there yeah, still there. It's it's and that you know if so if you're at Pep and that's another place you can go. It's a really interesting town. We really enjoyed that town. Um, all along the way, there's really interesting things to see. There is. There is, and yeah. and that's one thing. And I I have to get back to doing them and updating the ones I already have. But um, that was what my and one more on the way series was. Were non more things that people might be interested in. 
as they're driving through on their Laura trip because there is there's just so many interesting things. Uh, and yeah, it I, looks like an hour out extra is all they will give me because it looks like they just sent me a thing. Your episode oh. has ended. Thank you, thank you, Sarah. You're fantastic at what you do. Well, thank you so much for calling in. I, I did okay getting started this time with the things that people listed on Facebook, but I will yeah, say yeah. that it is very hard to uh, do a birthday party all by yourself. <laughs> I know. And at first I thought you were, because I was listening, and I'm like, oh, she's talking to somebody. I won't call in yet. And I'm like, no, she's not. So that's my call in. <laughs> she's not talking to anybody. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. and You're very um, welcome. And uh, I, it, it really, it really was. Um, I, I was glad you called in because I think we had a real nice conversation, and I think it should be of interest to people. Oh, very much so. We covered a little bit of everything, didn't we? Yes. Mhm. <laughs> and you're great for asking questions too, because you have such knowledge of. That's why I kept asking you such, I don't know, weird questions. I'm like, well, Sarah might know this. <laughs> Well, I didn't think they were weird questions. I know more little esoteric things than, yeah. than yeah. probably most people do just because I try and one of the things I try and do is keep up on the fandom and get the word out. So I, I'm not always good at it. You know, it, I, I, I have to kind of struggle with the fact that Just because I used to see something on eBay all the time does not mean that it's still pretty freely available. Like um, the the Harper's Brothers books that came out, or Harper Collins books that came out in the Mm -hmm. 90s that were all the cooking books and the craft books and stuff. And people come out with these other books, and I'm like, why do you want that when the Harper Brothers, or I keep calling them Harper Brothers. Harper (laughs) Collins had already done you know, such a nice set of books, and then you try and find them online, and, you know, they they have fallen off, uh, so they're not there all the time anymore. And right. and you probably have heard me say this already, but, but it's just so shocking. I keep coming back to it that for, like, two years, nobody was selling a replica of the China Shepherdess. And I'm like, my God, if you sell anything about Laura, you should have the China Shepherdess, a bonnet, and a Charlotte doll. And, Thanks. you know, and <laughs> and it is so, and, and also I have discovered lately, as people ask me things, that how small a proportion of what's in the gift shops are shown online, which I think is a terrible thing. If <laughs> you're selling something. Oh, yeah. If you're if you're a Laura fan, if you're a Laura fan and you like collecting Laura things, the gift shops are amazing. And yes, it is sad that they don't have more online because there's so much more than you know in these shops. Yes, yes, exactly. And you know, it it's just it, it's just so sad. I mean, people. The last couple of years, people have asked me for for things. You know, like. Somebody asked me for a Little House sweatshirt, and I could only find one of them online, even though I know all the home sites have them. And they, and somebody else wanted a, a Charlotte doll, and I could only find two of them online at that time, anyway. 
And okay, let me go back. Of, let me go back really, really quick on the Charlotte doll. The uh-huh. saddest illustri- the saddest illustration is in is when Laura finds Charlotte in the mud and the ice outside. That is very that, sad. That illustration makes me cry. Okay, continue. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say the the two I could find is one of the priciest and the very cheapest uh, of the Charlotte dolls. <laughs> and again, all the home sites have them. I'm, you know, the China Shepherdess they were actually out of, but all the home sites had, uh, you know, a a Charlotte doll. They just weren't listing them, and, and it was uh-huh. crazy. And, you know, sometimes even you have to ask if they have something not on display because, I was in this met one time, and I was saying, are you people ever going to reprint the Cream City cookbook, which Ma had, it's a community cookbook that Ma had contributed a recipe to, and other people who were in the book. And right. um, they said, oh, we still have a box of those upstairs. You want one? I'll go get it, and you can buy it. And I, I mean, who, who, how would you not have that out for sale if you had right. it? I, I don't know. I don't know. You, but you, you I, should have, I, have the unique, have the unique and you know unique stuff out because gosh knows I'll buy it. Yeah, yeah, really, and I don't know. It it just seems. I don't know. And there's a lot of people. Well, there's you know, a the lot. I kept trying to include the Loftus store in my Christmas buying list. And they won't do uh-huh. mail orders. And I'm like, what? Why? I don't know. Well, they didn't. They may not they have the staff for Well, they might not. But, I mean, good Lord, you're doing some incredibly unique Laura things. Mm-hmm. You know, I would think you would, you know, even if you didn't have everything, if you had, like, five things online, I you know, their most unique things. I, I bet people, they could make enough to make it worth their while, but they just have no interest. Huh. Oh, well. At least the other ones have wonderful things. Well, they all have good things. They all have unique things. That's for sure. Yes, they do. The the Loftus store tends one to more unique because they try and have things that the Homestead and the Memorial Society don't both have already but yeah there there's unique things at every home site yeah i'm just closing my eyes and remembering being just over at rocky ridge and then going to the to the cemetery and just walking all around rocky ridge is an interesting place too it is it is though i I will have to say the last time i was there i it was it had been a long time since I was there, and it was kind of shocking with that new museum. I almost drove right past it because, you know, I was uh-huh. expecting an entrance to be at the top of the hill, and it wasn't. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. what? That, the museum by the house is world-class, a fantastic, fantastic museum. I spent so much time in that, in that museum. Um, yeah, that was good. Yes, it, it really, they have, well, it, as I say, DeSmet has all the places and Mansfield has all the stuff because, yes. you know, Lauren was the last one who, li- who lived. So 
the stuff that survived got passed down to her. So, yeah, they have all the stuff. Yeah. And there's a cutout of Laura in her kitchen at Rocky Ridge. And, I mean, I, yeah. you know, I knew that she was tiny, but she was tiny. Well, I really, I think they made that thing too short. Because oh, they did it four feet, 11 inches. And Laura, there's a survey Laura filled out and said she was five feet, two and a half inches. And it's the half inch that keeps getting me. If people, I don't think she would care enough about her height to lie about it. And even if she did, people never put, you know, people always do round numbers, zero, five, threes, and sevens if they're fake numbers. So if she said she was five foot three, I might go, uh, I don't know. But five feet, two and a half, I mean, that's so specific. Well, I have short, some short sisters, and they are precise. I mean, if they're five foot two and a quarter, they'll tell you that quarter. Yeah, I'm but five I mean, eight, so. what I mean is you wouldn't make that up. If you were going no, to no. say you were not your real height, I mean, and I think that picture, her head just does not look, it looks more like a paper doll than a person. Her, right, than her being like in her kitchen. Um, yeah. yeah. Have you ever been upstairs in the Rocky Ridge house? I have been upstairs into the one bedroom they have restored. And I've seen yep. pictures of the rest of the upstairs, but I, I have not made it up there. And I've just been upstairs once. When, when we went there for her 150th birthday and you know, the town was doing the huge celebration, Rocky Ridge and everything, um, you bought tickets for like the dinner and this, that, and so on. And one of the big tickets was the dinner and meeting William Anderson and meeting Dean Butler. And you got to go upstairs. And I was just like, oh, heck yes. And then they didn't let us go upstairs. And it was so funny because William Anderson went and got someone and said, no, 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 I'll take them upstairs. They're supposed to get to go upstairs. And I'm like, not only do I like you as an author, but you're a heck of a guy. Um, and he took well, us and, and took us around up there. That would have been real fun. He yeah, did. That, was, that uh, was a lot of fun. He did go to the Third Street house with me and went up the staircase that you're not supposed to go up. And <laughs> so I got to go up that one, which was pretty cool. Yeah, I think I think if you're with William Anderson, you get to kind of go anywhere in the house. Yeah. Well. Uh, I think so. The little tour guides, I don't think, really understood who he was. So I had to, to ah. I, I stayed back a little bit and said, that's William Anderson. He basically set up this museum. It's it's okay. Yeah, it did be okay to let him go. <laughs> yeah. So next time you want to do something like this, please let me know. I'll come up with other silly stories. Well, I will keep that in mind. And if nothing else, I am always glad to have people call in on the birthday show. I will put it on the calendar for next year. And I'm considering, and I don't know if it would go, because most of my listens tend to be um, 
after the fact, the archived episodes. Uh-huh. But I've been trying to decide if I should do, you know, not right away. I'm I'm planning on doing a series of episodes this year talking about traveling to the different home sites. And, oh. and I'm trying to decide if one of them should be a call-in show where people call in their uh, suggestions and, you know, tips and tricks and that kind of thing. But I'm just not sure if I get enough feedback to make it worthwhile. Well, I, I, I think it would be worthwhile. I would more than be more than happy to call in on those and talk about what I found out or didn't find out or things like that. Well, that makes me more want to do it because I I think having Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.